Welcome to a Story Arcs miniseries. This is a podcast where I develop the fable of Malachi with the help of my illustrator, Sarah, and you, the audience, in the Fey Realms universe. I am Trevor Sutton. Let's create! Okay, so, The Fable of Malachi, this is the whole, uh, our first, what was this going to be, a small graphic novel to kind of like a pre-release for everything? You know, to be honest, uh, the way we've been discussing it, I would love for it to be a semi-Easter egg to where this is a, a fairy tale that's going to be in Addison's room when she's growing up. So it's a, and this this will be available, it will be um, a not graphic novel-y so much as a poem book with some images. Yeah. So you won't see a, a play-by-play as you do with landscape. Instead, what you'll see is some just still images with each chapter to really depict this kind of fable. And then um, it'll it'll be a nice little reference in landscape to the Fey Realms. Yeah, I love it. It's gonna be awesome. So here we go. A seven part poem. Uh, the we're gonna each each podcast is gonna is gonna deal with each uh, each each part of the poem. Chapter. So each chapter. So the first one is called History. Malachi the Prince, brother to the king, he led the guard in the War of the Wings. He fought with valor. He'd never retreat. His enemies grew weaker with every defeat. His weary soldiers followed him to hell. They gave for their king, and so many fell. And so in the end, sacrifice brought peace. The fairies were glad. Their lives had new lease. King Oberon ruled, brother at his side. Malachi had changed, for his heart had died. Love that last line. It's my favorite. That's so weird. That started off as three. The whole this whole sonnet started off as three individual poems that had nothing to do with each other too. It's, it's yeah. man, it's neat to see how the things. Like, I haven't read it in a long time. That's yeah. No, this this whole thing is incredible because this is literally the origin story for this podcast, for the graphic novel series, for this entire universe that we've built. It was just an experiment between my brother Trevor and I to see if we would be uh, if we could work together in a artistic slash poetic way and uh, after lots of me yelling at Trevor about <laughs> writing things differently um, he started getting into it and then he started writing more and then he started writing more and then his head almost exploded so yeah, we, all over you at one point yeah. I remember <laughs> we had we had to put him on a podcast and start getting him talking to other people so he'd stop harassing me at all hours of the day and night so so yeah this is awesome because this is just a, a quick callback to how everything started off so in this in this uh, in this episode we're we're dealing with the uh, beginning. It's called the history. This this poem, um, and it's basically dealing with the the War of the Wings. It's basically dealing with the end the end game. It's it's compressing the War of the Wings into a single poem. Right, right. So you don't. This is before the ascension of Oberon. This is uh, no. So this is after, after the, ascension the ascension of Oberon. Of Oberon. So um, in this one, we don't get any mention of Tatiana. Um, uh, you know, no, no blatant mention. You'll see later where she comes in. Right. But what you get is you get a sneak peek into this character who we haven't discussed much, who is Malachi. So in this, um, it it pretty blatantly states that Malachi, the prince, brother to the king, he is um, he, he is painted as the the lead general um, of the forces of the king. And yes. so and he's also the brother, so he is of course very trusted and loyal. 
Right. Well, and I think, like I said, this is a fable. It's 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 broad yeah. stroking, and there's going to be a lot of things that either aren't explained or glossed over. So, okay, so let's talk about it. So uh, he's the brother to the king, who in this um, is King Oberon. Yes. So let's let's talk a little bit about their relationship. I think because this is the first. The, the things I want to talk about in this first little chapter is the, the Malachi and Oberon, their relationship together, like their level of trust. Yeah. Um, Malachi in the war uh, and kind of what's going on there. And then um, how at the, even at the, this first chapter, how Malachi goes, how his relationship with Oberon changes from this very close, loyal connection to all of a sudden he is just he's been so scarred. Yeah. That he, you see his heart begin to change. Well, he got corrupted, too, in the War of the Wings. But before that, um, the whole point of this, Oberon's, Oberon's whole drive and willpower or will or motivation here is just to, to bro out, have opulent parties, and chill with Malachi, his best friend. Yeah. Um, that, and that's, that's it. That's yeah. it. And then these, well, the, these dang ravens come along and start causing issues. So it could be said that Malachi and Oberon are very, very close. Yeah. They do everything together, and while their personalities are, are largely different, they still have a lot of trust and um, just – History and love and everything. Exactly, exactly. So so when Oberon – so this threat begins to happen, and Oberon sends Malachi out because he trusts him. Malachi knows that, and he trusts his king to, to do the right thing. Yeah. But um, through this first chapter, even though he is, um, he has so much valor and he's strong and he, he's a competent general, he's still just facing this foe that is so strong it, it it wipes out his forces. There's barely anyone that comes back, and I think uh, a big part of it is that he starts to see that his king his king isn't there with them. His king, especially when he comes back, he finds his king partying while him and his soldiers were out dying. Watching from afar, yeah, he's he's that that example of that he's definitely not taking part in helping his kingdom. He's sitting there just trying to, to get his party on. Yeah. And of course, while Malachi is sitting there watching his friends, his, his brothers in arms dies and he comes back and sees that they've been partying. I mean, that's, it's a heavy blow. And not only that, but Malachi gets pretty deeply wounded and everything kind of spirals for him. Right. Do we, so when, when they're fighting the Ravens, there is a Raven queen, which if that hasn't give you, if that doesn't give you a hint into the series, I don't know what will. Yes. Uh, there is a larger history, which we'll, we'll reveal later. But essentially um, what happens is, is he fights the queen of the Ravens while this war is going on. He comes head to head and the fight is brutal and vicious and he is about to lose. And what happens is, is the, the main Raven, um, instead of dealing a, a killing blow, ends up just scratching his face horribly. He holds back. Yes. Gashes from the left to the right, just across his entire face. Now, um, uh, the big thing about that is because these are magical creatures, typically fairies, I would feel, would heal rather quickly, and it wouldn't be a big deal for them to kind of alter that. But because of this magical influence, perhaps, it doesn't allow the scar to heal, and it actually stays. But not only that, the raven, due to its nature and what's going on with it, kind of curses Malachi, and it turns his mind and his heart against his king. Exactly. Well, it just definitely helped it along the way. Yeah. It uh, it definitely planted or it, it it nurtured that seed that was already there. I like that. I like that kind of it darkened his heart, which is a big part of of this story is the blackening of Malachi's heart. Yes, and uh, and this and this sets the scene for not only for you to understand why Malachi is in the situation he is now, 
and why he's such a tragic character. He does things for the love of his country, for the love of his king, for his brother, for his people. He doesn't stop. No matter how bad the situation gets, the guy tries his hardest and puts everything into it and, and puts himself on the line. Well, he's a pawn. He's a pure pawn. Yeah. But he, he believes that the people who are manipulating him truly love him and are doing things for the right reasons, when in reality, he is very much a pawn. Yes. And that I... I that realization, um, I think, hits rather hard. And his, um, as it says in this first chapter, you know, even though the war is won, even though, um, you know, the, they were safe for the time being, he still felt as if he had lost. And I think that's a, a really important thing to remember about Malachi is that he feels he's kind of lost. Not only the trust in someone he thought was, you know, had an unbreakable loyalty to, but the things he knows have been just shaken and his friends are all gone and he feels alone, not only because Oberon only cares about partying and doesn't care about the men who died, but because the men who died were his friends and now they're gone and he can't get them back. And I'm sure that brings questions of why they were even fighting in the first place. Right. Why the heck were these ravens attacking King Oberon? Because they right. were going after him directly. They were trying to get into that kingdom. And I'm sure that raises a bunch of questions for him, too. I mean, I, I'm, it, it definitely didn't help his already burgeoning, uh, like, distrust of King. Like, ah, oh, man, like, this sucks. It's just one thing after the next. What the heck is going on? Yeah. Ooh, tell me tell me what, um, in your mind, Oberon is saying to his people and to Malachi. Because you know we can't tell, he can't tell the truth about these things. I don't know. I was thinking earlier that that uh, fairies and ravens would have a natural enmity against each other. And uh, that could be why he, t you know, I'm going to turn you into the thing you loathe or something in that direction. Um, and it, and at that point, all he has to do is say, oh, look, these, these ravens are coming to attack us because they, you know, because they're, they're, uh, they're an opposing realm. They're just a natural enemy. He doesn't have to do anything beyond just say that they're evil at that point to right. get his people to believe that. Oh, I love that. No, I love that. He's, he's sitting there trying to paint these things like these are evil, loathsome things. All they want to do is eat fairies. They're terrible. And they're trying to come in and eat us and blah, blah, blah. We must defend. Yes. And that's just, there's so much history of, of conflict that that's an easily acceptable answer. And that's and that's either in fact that's the best way to go about it solely because it is the easiest answer it makes the most sense right when in reality there's never really been I mean I'm sure ravens have tried to eat fairies before and maybe even succeeded a time or two well it might also be because I mean ravens are attracted to very shiny things and not only are the fairies you know very shiny themselves with their wings but they have I'm sure a lot of gold and silver and beautiful you know what. We can take this a step farther. If we're going to go in depth with this and understand the Fey realms, let's make the ravens an actual race. And maybe they enslave fairies. That's So that's tough. Um, not because I don't want a race of ravens, but because if there's already an organized race somewhere else that is doing those things, how does... Uh, and this is a spoiler alert, by the way. How does Oberon turning Tatiana into these things... Because then she's going to join forces with an entire race that's strong enough to take down the fairies? Well, check this out. Maybe maybe it's not so much – maybe she goes there when she gets banished because I don't think she's going to take that many people with her to make a huge army. So maybe that's where she gets this huge army. Maybe all those, all those ravens aren't just all fairies. And when she goes over there, she finds out that the ravens aren't what she thought they were, okay? 
and maybe she goes, okay, look, if you help me overtake, uh, get my throne back, we can get peace between our two countries, and we can at least start a trade up or at least peace talks, okay? Because as it is right now, it's not going to happen. Okay, so okay, so there's two things with that. One, the Raven Queen becomes an issue if they already have a leader of their own race. I don't think they will. I mean, as far as ravens go, I don't and think And that will. takes me into my second point. What if it wasn't a unified race that does their own thing, but what if they were very similar to wild ravens to where they have little tribes all over the place yes. and she actually unifies them for the war? Or they have they have small miniature towns and not really they're, they're governances instead of... Right, but they're not centrally together. The other thing is, is uh, how does she get them to trust her? Um, does she... Do they not know that she's uh, a fae that's been turned into a raven, or what? What would be the the deal with that then? Well, because see, then that's see, and that's we're opening up a whole nother can of worms here. She's right. got herself and her followers. Okay, she's across, and now she's in this foreign land with a bunch of things that now she's a part of, and she didn't understand before, other than fear. And now she's like got to learn that. how to get to live. With. And it might not just be ravens over there. There could be just a whole bunch of. Well, I mean, the fair, the, the fae were supposed to have kind of isolated themselves in this yeah. perfect little place and surrounded themselves essentially by a desert so that no other creatures could take over or come into their lands unless they chose. Exactly. So I do like that. I like the idea that there are these legends of like the ravens being evil and cruel and awful. And she actually discovers that, no, they're not. There's just been conflict and they were painted in a bad way. They might be the humans on this realm. Like, what? Birds might be the humans in this world type of deal to where that's the sentient creature and that they evolved this way but there's another interesting thing brought up actually um with the phantom zone podcast was it ah, phantom zone, woo! one of the characters they created was uh vernon the vermin and basically it's a homeless dude that tatiana finds in new york who can right. communicate with animals oh, and all he's got there is rats and pigeons and stuff but when he gets to the Fey realm, because she brings mm -hmm. him with him, he discovers he can talk and even control or befriend other animals, such as dragons, sphinx, and other things that are are fairy tale here, but could be real there. Interesting. I like it. I like it. So okay, that, that's fantastic. So there's a whole there's a whole bunch of and we might have to do another podcast of world development for yeah. that and and draw a map and 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 do the whole thing and then find out where where lines are drawn and everything else. Exactly. All right. Well, hold on. Let's get back to this first chapter. Yes. I don't want to go too far because we're getting into the Raven Queen now, and we need to we need to come back. Yeah, we're blistering so, here. The fable Malachi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're focusing on that. And what I really like is we talked about this before. When he does fight the Ravens, Malachi, that is. Yes. Uh, they they meet. Their battlefield is what we call the Still Seas. Yeah, the Still Seas. They so love that. What Still Seas are? Give us a description. So. Um, the elements in the universe are fairly universal. That being said, the, the fey world and the human world are in the same universe. They have the same basic constructs, ba basic makeup. Um, but instead of sand, um, they, uh, the fairies have constructed a solid desert around them to isolate their forest or whatever it is to keep them well protected against any other races because they have an important job to do, or at least they started off with one. And it is made out of diamond it's it's nope. a lot more or uh excuse me sapphire thank you yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, no. <laughs> well so i think diamonds are actually just or i mean sapphires are just diamond with cobalt coloring in them 
I think that's what it is. Or it I was, don't know. I have no idea. Let me let me uh, do a quick fact check here. Sapphire. I'm pretty sure that, in fact, all precious gems like that, diamond, sapphire, ruby, all them, are diamonds with a coloring, basically. I Okay, so it's what, at least what it's telling me, a precious gemstone, a variety of the mineral corundum, consisting of aluminum oxide with trace amounts of elements such as iron, titanium, chromium, copper, and magnesium. Um, I, I don't... Let's see. It's not saying any. It's just saying that it's it's obviously a crystal. Take millions of years to form. Like rubies, sapphires are also formed out of the mineral. So it's more similar to a ruby than it is a diamond. Because diamonds, the way they're they're created is through that immense pressure, whereas the sapphires have different structuring. I mean, they all share similar things because yeah. they are gems. But I don't I don't think sapphires are. The same as diamonds, though. Okay. They, have, they have a lot of different stuff to them. At least that's what it's saying to me. Like it's, It looks like rubies, emeralds, and di- uh, and uh, sapphires are of a similar makeup. I, I, I've, I was under the impression that something was like that. So this whole sand that they kind of surround themselves with is basically uh, crushed or sanded uh, sapphire. Which I mean, at that at that particular level, if you have any winds brushing on it, it would just obliterate, sand away, and kill anything. So it's basically a giant defense moat system. The right. still seas. Right. And it's can you imagine that would be just gorgeous. So there's there's no water. It's huge. It's it's hard to cross because there's no water sources. There's no life out there. And like you said, once those winds kick up, they just they rip your skin away. Or there is life, which is another defense system. And that life is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for it. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. 1984, one of my most favorite movies ever, Dune. Oh, you want some giant worms? Can those be diamond? Diamond worms? Oh, I mean, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, just the idea that there's these giant things that are attracted to vibrations in the sand. Mm. Okay, maybe they hibernate until something walks on the sand and then these things, you know, open up and eat at that point. Right. right. We have to make it We have to make it different enough that we're not just ripping off Dune because as much as I love Dune. Oh, I agree. Just copy them. But see, that's the other point of that too is when we have the uh, the animal talker. Maybe he comes in and he's able to talk to these things and have them oh, transport. Cool. Yeah, see, and there's some other neat stuff we can do in there. But yes, the, the still seas possibly inhabited with something. I don't know what we're going to put in there, um, uh, but uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, and the, the still seas themselves are just the idea of, of these blue sapphire dunes are just uh, – I think the, yeah. the visuals are going to be amazing. And maybe having like – because at seas they have these tornadoes that whip up the water and you see the water fly into the sky. But in this instance, uh, dust storms dust storms and tornadoes and stuff happening out there, not only deadly, but would have these beautiful – instead of this giant you know, beige cloud rushing at you, it would be a giant – Sapphire diamond cloud rushing at you. Dude, are you kidding me? I'm gonna have the wind so high they're gonna create a sapphire tsunami, and they're gonna be like, "Is that the ocean?" And I'll be like, "No, that's the desert," <laughs> and it's gonna be terrifying with these tidal waves of sapphires coming to crush you under the pure weight. It's <sighs> there's there's some definite. Uh, I mean, they're gonna have to, and that's and that's one of the things they're gonna have to. One of the obstacles that uh, Tatiana is gonna have to have. Anyways, right, that doesn't matter. Right. But, but yes. no, so this this is good because so what happens is is they they the the Fae realize that the ravens are gathering for war and they're heading across the desert for a a battle to come invade. And so Malachi puts his force together and they meet them middle-ish across the still seas. So the ravens are at a slight disadvantage because they're tired and they've been flying across this huge desert. But um 
they are they outnumber the Fey warriors. So the the advantages kind of even out. And uh, the only reason I think uh, I don't know if you wanted it to be that way or not, but I I think the only reason that they lose the Ravens that is, is that Tatiana cannot kill her own brother. Yep. Um, and I like that's that's one of the things I agree with 100%. In fact, that, that's why she gets wounded because she holds back in killing him. He strikes right. her. And yeah. that's going to happen close to because there is a permanent portal set up somewhere uh, near where they are. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll, let's see if we can work this in or not. So we're talking about these big these big worms that live in the, the sapphire desert. So there's not a lot of creatures there. So maybe they typically eat the sapphires or they do something like that. But what if these worms were a portal to Earth? What if not? Uh, maybe there's not a lot of them, but what happens if Tatiana's wounded? She's lying on the sand, and the Fays have returned, and the her the Ravens have left, and she's lying there dying, and she's like, "Well, you know, I tried. This is this is it." And she's swallowed by one of these creatures, and it turns out it sends her to Earth, and she's discovered by a little girl. Blah 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 blah. By the way, we totally spoiled it. The Raven Queen is Tatiana, and Malachi's actually her brother, not Oberon's brother. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Huh? We're really bad I at like, doing spoiler alerts. It's just too interconnected. Well, the whole thing's a spoiler. The, the whole thing – and again, the, the novel isn't written yet. These are all just suggestions that things right. may happen. So you right. don't, yeah, they don't know. I don't know. It's okay. But um, as far as that goes, it's, it's an interesting concept, and it's something we're going to have to work on only because um, when we have to send them later – um, all the uh, Malachi's men, they have to be sent to the portal. And then on top of that, having a random portal in a worm's belly, we'd have to yeah. have a really good reason for that. Well, the only thing I can think of is that the portal's in the desert. And that, I feel like, would be a great way because if it's just in the forest, the Fae would know where it's at because their lands aren't so huge enough that they don't patrol it or know it well enough to make sure they know where the heck that kind of thing would be. So I feel like the deserts would be a great place for that portal to be because then Tatiana can accidentally find it and fall into it. Um, and then, you know what I mean? Do you see, well, do you see okay. this? The, okay. So in the original, in, the, in this instance, this, these portals are made so the Fae can get back and forth to the Earth. There, I, what I was thinking and toying around with is that their original thing is 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 a kind of not a failsafe, but a okay. Look, you know this is effing up over here because this is effing up. So we need to fix this joint. So they need. Oh so they have, do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, they're no, gonna no. have a revered spot. It might be outside their kingdom okay, and on no, the border. No, no, I agree. I agree. There should be like a sacred grove protected within their kingdom that they use that only the king or queen or royalty can open. Um, but okay, so that's a good point. So with Tatiana, because uh, she needs to go to Earth, what if there's an accidental tear in um, where she lies? Because how are we gonna get her from being mortally wounded in this desert well, to a portal to Earth? The fight's gonna rage on for a while, so maybe the fight, the edges of the fight, because Tatiana's main goal is to get to Oberon to kill him. Because she's thinking in her mind, if I kill Oberon, this thing's gone. I ended all. So she, so maybe she, like they spearhead a force to get to Oberon, and they make it as far as portal because the portal's on the outside. It doesn't have to be in the center of the kingdom. It can yeah, be on the edge. That's the most protected thing, and she's gonna know that. So taking a full, but the problem is again, she meets with Malachi in the Still Seas, and that's where they have their final battle. So she doesn't even go anywhere near the portal when they fight. Well, it doesn't have to be a protected thing. The portal's not really something – it has to be opened, and it takes a lot of power and energy. So it's not something they need to protect. 
Well, not so right now, anyways. We just said that the portal can only be opened by the royalty, so it's not even open. It's just a sacred grove where it could be opened. Exactly. So, but its position doesn't need to be guarded, is what I'm saying. And it can I mean, it be. be. That sounds like a, I mean, their one purpose is to be the thing that well, I'm not going to say, so we don't spoil well, right. more things. But, but what I'm saying is, is you can't really destroy it. There's nothing. It's not. It's not tangibly, physically there until it's opened. You get what I'm saying? But it's still – they would still paint it as a sacred place. If that's yeah. the place where it gets opened, that would be like a, a very – a sacred place. So they wouldn't just you know abandon it when it's not in use. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sure they take care of it. All I'm saying is it doesn't have to be something that's heavily guarded. It could be something okay. that is taken care of. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so that, if they stumble fine. into it, it's and not going to be – It's still not the yeah. point. The point is is that they are in the still seas when the final fight goes down. Okay. So then, she's not near the grove. That's that's the, your your biggest issue. And none of this even really matters because we're talking about the people of Malachi. And nothing. I mean, I mean, you know, and of course it, it does. I mean, the biggest thing is is that in that first chapter, we we don't specifically talk about it, but it's definitely kind of hinted that he has a final battle. Yes. Because once and it she is, falls, it is pivotal. It is. And, and what? Yeah. Once she falls as the leader, the ravens will retreat. Yeah. And that's how Malachi wins. Um, so, I mean, it could be anything. Maybe it's an act of desperation, and she's she figures, you know, I've got nothing left. I'm going to just try and throw this. Because she's gone to the Fey world. So maybe she has some kind of tie or whatever and can open a small one for herself. Well, it's tough because as in a raven form, her powers are reduced. She, she no longer has access to what she had as a queen. So she can't – that's why she's trying to come back and kill Oberon so she can be restored. Then the the only other thing I can think of is that the family that she gets uh, wounded and and gone to, the reason she even goes to them in the first place is because it's Addison's line and they and one of them opens a portal on accident. Briefly. She doesn't know the line yet. The the whole purpose of that line is they find her as a raven. Right, right. They, and rescue her. They never no. What I'm saying is is that family over there, that line, that Addison's line that's over there. One of her line maybe accidentally opens a portal, doing something. Same thing Addison does. Okay, either oh, talking about fairies. Or... We, we were painting Addison as this culmination of yeah. things that hadn't developed. Her ancestors have small powers, but not strong enough yet. That's why Addison is special. Yeah. So you can't just randomly give him the same power. The only other thing I can think is that the ravens or some of her followers, in an act of desperation, pull what little power they have left as ravens to save their queen. And they just kick her out so that she she can be disappeared or something like that. There's there's so many there's there, there's this is definitely a plot hole that we're gonna run into. It's definitely an issue, and I don't know I don't know a way to fix it because in one instance we're also saying that only the the king or the royal line can open that portal. Right, right. And it has to be at that one spot. So there's no way to open a portal. Right. Well, I mean, that's why that's where we get the enigma of things. And maybe, again, remember we talked about how the, the balance is broken because Oberon all of a sudden has too much power, whereas he's supposed to be balanced out by these two other figures. So after that split happened and Tatiana was transformed, per oh, you know what? This is easy, dude. Freaking Puck. Oh, you think Puck decides... Puck oh, is the balance. He can't interfere directly, but he knows he has to balance it out, so maybe he swoops in and just throws Tatiana through and just last minute, and he's disguised as a raven or a fae or whatever. Or a but, giant sandworm. I mean, anything we want, obviously. It can be anything. But Or maybe he just uses the sandworm to open that portal at that one instance. But either way, you can use that. You can use Puck to do that. Exactly, because he knows if the balance is truly upset and she does die, then bad things will start to happen. So he comes in and he kind of swoops in to say, he's supposed to, he's our, our balancer anyway, so I don't know why I didn't think of him first. Yeah, well. 
<laughs> the answer. Well, and that's yeah. okay. So here's what I'm thinking. They're going through the battle. She swipes him. He stabs her. Um, the old pucks keeping an eye on things and realizes, oh crap, I'm about to lose the, the source of balance here, and I've been, I've, I've already messed up here. All right, last thing I can think of, and he sees, and since he's a lot more powerful than just about anybody, and I think he can travel freely from the Fey realms to the other. In other right. words, he can open he's portals. He's an independent source, but he's bound by rules to maintain balance, or he'll fade. I think something so like in, that. So, and the last, and the last, whatever last ditch effort. Um, he needed to open up a portal and make it look like she got disappeared or killed or whatever. He has yeah. that worm come up and swallow her, but opens a portal nice. in its throat. Nice. I love it. I love it. So it looks like she is dead and everybody returns to their homes, but she's actually, he kind of delivers her to the front doorstep of this family yes. and, the, and the little girl saves her. Perfect. Perfect. So I've got this image in my mind now to kind of, uh, I'm glad we solved that. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> I got this image now um, to return to Malachi. Um, I really like this idea of they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and he goes like a stab, like straight through her, and she's like right in his face, and she knows she could de decapitate him right then and there, but instead she just takes her talons and slowly draws them across his face. Oh, is they're falling through the air, kind of locked as they're together. falling through the air, and she she knows she could do it harder, but she doesn't, but just enough because she's so mad at him for betraying her because she doesn't know he doesn't. He doesn't know. And I just, it's going to be such a brutal scraping as like she te slowly tears the flesh off his face. Yeah. And she's going to be like staring into his eyes. And he's going to be staring into her eyes as he's got the sword through her. They're falling. She is ripping at his face and they land and he gets kind of thrown away and she gets thrown away. And then he like gets up and he's like, oh, I got to go finish it. And just as he goes to go and finish her, the worm comes up and pulls her down. Yes. Dude, man, that's going to be an epic fight scene. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, I'm, glad, I'm glad we sorted that out. I feel so much better now. I was like, ah, okay, cool. So we've got, we've got, we've established the, the loyalty before Malachi and Oberon, the, the sense of betrayal that's also aided by this magic that Tatiana kind of gives to Malachi through this scratch. Because essentially her curse, he doesn't remember who she is or that she is actually his sister. And that scratch, I feel, is her kind of trying to get him to, to see and remember her. But instead what it does is it just confuses him in this curse. And he starts turning against Oberon with this hatred, but he doesn't know why. Well, okay, that, here's the thing. Because she doesn't have full command of her magic. And so while right. she's doing this, it's it's just a very light leaking of her magic. Right. So when she's doing it, she's angry at the time. She's confused. Yeah. She's hurt. So that's going to be poured into it it's instead just of... A a last-ditch effort of her anger coming through at her at her brother. Trying to break through whatever's in there. Exactly, exactly. But it just, instead of breaking it, it just slowly starts to poison him yeah. and turn him... Because uh, it's her it's her dying thoughts at that moment. It's her dying oh, anger and it. stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, man. That's... Oh, oh, man. God, that's going to be sick. That's going to be awesome. And I'm thinking about, uh, I'm, I love this image. So if you guys take a look at our Facebook page and our Twitter, you'll see a small video of the early sketches for this first chapter. And one of the images that I really love is Malachi standing on this hill, kind of overlooking the, the still seas as fairies and ravens alike are slowly falling through the air as they die. Yeah. And thick with him it's just raining down bodies and he's just he, i'm assuming it's after his fight with tatiana and everything's kind of like you know everyone's retreating or falling quiet and now it's just the sheer amount of bodies is just raining down slowly the still uh, seas turn red yes yeah oh i love that just splashing with color oh 
So that's that's a favorite favorite image of mine, right along with um, you'll see in there too. And these are very loose sketches, so please don't judge too harshly, people. Um, you'll see one where we're looking at the back of Malachi, and his wings are spread, and he's got his his army around him, and in the distance is just a massive cloud of black as the ravens are approaching, and it just looks like a horrible thunderstorm coming to just ravage the land. There's going to be some great images. Do we want to discuss what these people look like? Do we want to discuss what the ravens look like? And that's uh, another thing that we need to figure out because those could be all developmental podcasts. Right, right, little character episodes because I love the idea of them in armor and just like yeah. some extra sharp stuff on their talons and, and just like some ornamental and like armor-based stuff. Oh, you yeah. Know? Uh, uh, wing, wing coverage, wing armor so it protects the bones on their wings. Right. Um, little things like that. I think little touches like that and then yeah. having maybe making their own faction like, oh, we are the blah, 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 and having right. making their own symbolism or whatever. Right, right. Because we want to cover like the junction of the shoulders where that's really easy to break a bird's wing. Yep. I really want to cover um, with a super, obviously this is very magical, a very, very light metal alloy that covers their flight wings because if those gets clipped, then they, they can't fly anymore. So those need to be protected. Yeah. So Got to do some research on what flight wings are most important and what joints are most important on the wings, yes. so that their armor uh, covers them in a way that that really provides protection. Or in some cases, uh, as with animals, they'll they'll develop knots and raised areas that will deflect blows from that. So maybe it's right. not covered. It might have another piece of armor that's easier to like that def that just makes things either ping off or deflects it in that way, and then makes it so that they're not too and they can't flap their wings or do whatever. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, we're going to have to have a, a whole podcast just on, like, the weaponry that both the Fae and the Ravens use, what their armor is kind of made out of. Yeah. And what these what these different creatures kind of look like. Um, mithril actually is one of the things I, I put in the story. Uh, enchanted Mithril that's silent. Yeah. And okay. light. Yeah. And that'll be a fairy thing, obviously. Of course. Super, super lightweight, very strong armor is always a good idea. Especially for these creatures. So, um, okay. So, and for Malachi, um, at least in my mind, I picture him as a very, a very dark-haired. And do we decide on green eyes for him? Yeah, I think so. Man, those look really good because you did that little up close. Yeah. In fact, that's the the picture you have on my Twitter, right? Yep. Yep. And so those are those are Malachi's eyes as his his eyes smolder with hatred. Oh yeah. And are they gonna change? Is he? Is that gonna be one of the? I, so there's there's two things that are going to happen. So Malachi will change through this series as you listen to this podcast, guys. And he is the only thing you're going to be able to recognize by the end is the color of his eyes, which are going to stay the same, just super luminescent, almost poison apple green, I think is what. And then the scars on his face are going to stay strangely apparent, almost as if they're fresh, no matter what he does. Or they never heal properly. They always right. seem to ooze or whatever because of you that. You want them to ooze? I was I was oh, tempted to ooze. very like pink and scar like as if they were just fresh. They're always fresh, so it's always yeah. And just... maybe maybe as he transforms more into something kind of good, then they can start to ooze as well because as time, you know, almost like it's festering like a wound. Yeah. So initially it's just kind of red and swollen, and it doesn't seem to be healing, and then over time it just starts to ooze like a like an infected place. This poor guy. Man, I know. I feel I, know, I really do like Malachi. He is one of my favorite, and it's just he just really gets messed up. So, <laughs> that poor guy. Oh. But yeah. But yeah, that'll be the beginning. The beginnings of his of his transformation. Yes, he 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 does have quite a hard time. He's a weary soldier, so he lost a lot of his men. 
Um, so what about that that interaction when he comes back and it's just the the wounded and just a few men left coming back with him? Um, I, I kind of want to paint an imagery for how Oberon welcomes him back, I guess. Or is Oberon just super drunk dancing at a party when Malachi comes up? No, with no, his no. Name? They're going to throw a party in his honor. And he'll go, man, yeah, yeah oh, you, you're so awesome, dude. That's great. Just like patting him on the back. Let, let it be noted that Oberon is a surfer dude from Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> he just wandered into the <sighs> and decided to become a king. So, <laughs> Well, I, I just think that his whole – his whole issue is is the purpose of the reason why he got there in the first place is completely wiped out. Right. Um, and he's kind of just at a loss for, for ideas. His oh, whole purpose okay. for being is, is whatever. So he basically just wanted to bro out with Malachi. Yeah. And and then the the uh, the Ravens started attacking. He's like, crap, man. All yeah. right, Malachi, go do your job, dude. Yeah. But when you no, get back, no. we're going to party. Yeah. No, what I really like this because like when you look at a Midsummer's Night Dream, Oberon is very he's very jealous and kind of possessive and very vindictive. Like he does a lot of little stabby things when people do things he doesn't like. Yeah. And that's perfect. And I love this idea that underneath all that he has this ultimate purpose he was pursuing through his whole life and when then all of a sudden that purpose disappeared, he turned into this aimless wandering guy that was just kind of like well, I'll do the things I like to do then, and uh, they take I'm going to use what skills I have to get them because that's what I was, what I want to do. I love that. I love that he's not this perfect, um, this perfect king that knows everything and is very tough, but he's just kind of like, well, no, it, it 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 works really well. It ties really well in, and then and as far as what Malachi experiences when he gets back after all these hardships, months or days or weeks or whatever, however long he's fighting these things. Um, and he just gets back and it's like, dude, what the actual heck, yeah. dude? I don't want to party. I want to not do this ever again. And look yeah. at my face. I'm yeah. messed up. <laughs> it's not healing, man. Hey, man, I'm having a rough time. And what happens if they come back? I don't want to fight those dang birds again. Yeah, exactly. No, I like it. I like it. And Oberon's just like, no, man, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Have a drink. It'll yeah, be it's, fine. It's cool. It's cool, man. You got rid of the main one, right? You got oh, rid God, of that please one. Please don't make him Cartman from South Park. Let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, you know what? I really like. So uh, the other thing I was thinking about is I told you this is going to be a little poem book and a little fairy tale that's going to be in Addison's room. Yes. And in this story so far, I have him painted as a very regal man with a beard, and he looks very stern and very serious. I'm very tempted to have this book have him look like that. But when we finally get to meet him in the actual series, have him look. Um, similar but no beard or something a little bit more like younger and more casual and he's like oh yeah i wanted them to make me look very regal and amazing because that's what i am and i just kind of almost want to change him up a little bit well here's but the thing the, it, it's it's the the fable is a propaganda piece it is for little kids exactly, to read exactly. that's that's what i'm thinking but here's the other thing oberon while aimless or whatever right now is a scary guy right he is a scary person he's part of an assassin's guild he's i mean he he survived the hunt i mean this guy is nothing to mess with i know that's why i love the the so if, kind so, of like silly and flip it not silly but like well maybe not... in this instance that he's trying to paint himself as as Right. Almost Santa Claus, you know, like, oh, I know, know, he does look very... there's no way you could hate me. Well, he's kind of like, a, to be honest, the way he is in here, he's like a little bit like a sexy Santa Claus. He's got, he's got like, he's got those yeah. great whiskers, but he's fit. And you're like, dang, he's a silver fox. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's what needs to happen. But when you see him in real life, you're like, whoa, whoa, this is not 
right you know and that's what i want that that separation from truth and reality like yeah. oh you know and, you, and the more you get into it the more you realize it was just led it was just there to kind of put oberon's uh you know he wants this is how he wants to shape everybody's view of him right that's which is point. like benevolent and like yes. good and he had to do what he had to do and that kind of thing but my I, hands I, were yeah. tied you know i, I didn't right. want to do these things Right. And in some cases he didn't. He didn't want to hurt Malachi, but he yeah. knew that Malachi was going to keep going. So, yeah, I'm sorry, guy. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah, exactly. So don't give it away yet. We're not there yet. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, no, I like it. That's good. Man. Um, okay, so we'll we'll keep talking, and we're, we're going to have some character development episodes as well. So we'll really get into what these characters look like and a little bit of their backstory and their thoughts, and that way we can flesh them out in a 3D way, and yes. you can really get to know them um, beyond what just their role in this one story. That's such a one-dimensional level to see a character. We're going to get into some heavy-duty stuff, man. Like, what kind of, what's their favorite food? What do they, what do they like to do? Oh, that was another thing, by the way. I, I did... Um... In Fey lore, uh, in fact, this is one of the reasons Marshall's insane. Is the there's fairy berries, and once you eat them, nothing yeah. else will ever taste good. Oh no! So That's this food that I eat food in Feyland. So this food that I developed that the fairies develop because they can, you know, they have power. Okay, so we're gonna develop this strain of berry. When you eat it, it gives you all the in, in nutrients your body needs. It kind of gives you what you need, and it tastes like your most favorite thing ever, or even better, but twenty times better. And that's all they eat. I mean, we don't need anything after that. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's really good. So Marshall, in this instance, eats that. And then when he goes back to Earth, not only is everything just not as colorful or cool or magic sensible, yeah. nothing tastes good. Oh, I mean, everything, that's just such a sad thing. Yeah, well, it drives him nuts. And that's part of like All he does is eat oatmeal because it's easy to swallow and get down fast. Oh, <laughs> He's, oh that poor guy. He is absolutely miserable. Yeah. Oh man, I would love at some point to where like either either when they invade um, or when far far down the future he's just in a little room for someone to just slip him some berries and just be like here you go and him just be like <laughs> oh <laughs> like when he becomes the before, oracle like, say what when he becomes the oracle they they give him berries every day and that, that's just what they feed him and yeah. he's just, like crying in a corner he's so happy this is all I wanted oh I love it I love it I love it. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be awesome. Because that's one of the reasons that Tatiana wipes the memory of those kids too. Is there, right. They've been if if you remember eating those berries, you're not going to want anything else. Oh, and I'm sure the sights and the smells and just the feel of the air has a different quality to oh, it. That yeah. can be addictive. Ooh, you know I'd love that. I'd love if the Fey realms, if you spend too much time in them, the air itself is addictive, almost like a narcotic, just because the the sheer saturation of the magic can kind of like muddle your mind and make you feel better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh Ooh. yeah. You know, when we take the guards and we kind of remove them from the magic from the guy that uh, kind of cast that magic barrier. I can't remember what to call him. But he essentially he kind of sucks the magic out of the room so the fairies can't. Oh, jammer? Fight. Yeah. I would love if they almost have symptoms like coming down from really hard drugs to where they're just <laughs> like, oh, oh, and they just like instantly feel hungover and terrible because they, they can't access it anymore. No, I agree. And, and, and almost like having your eyes torn out of your head is basically yeah. what I want to equate it to. Like they instantly go ashen, their wings drop and lose color, and their eyes are bloodshot, and they're yeah. just like, oh, that would be great. Like they look like they've been on a like on a bender for two weeks, and now they're coming off of it. Like, oh. <laughs> that would be intense. That would be great. Uh, plus a great visual too, you know, to just have them flushed and full of life with these beautiful wings that are so colorful, and then just drop, and everything's almost black and white, and just terrible. <laughs> 
it'll, oh, it's, it's gonna, there's there's little nuances here that are just gonna make your what you do with your art just it's gonna make it pop and feel like you're not really reading a comic book you're reading something that's real that's what that's yeah. that's my whole the whole intent of this whole thing is to feel yeah. like whoa this, this is right. real yeah you know, no pressure on my illustration no pressure oh, I, I think you're, <laughs> you're already doing it I'm, I'm i'm really happy with what you're doing you have been listening to story arc I'm Trevor Sutton. If you like the show, subscribe and check us out on Facebook at Fay Realms and our Twitter at Stoic Tales One. Please leave comments and be a part of the show. Thank you.